For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. This week, American Friends of Magan Davida Dom Greater Philadelphia Area Director Sharon Schmidt joins us in the studio. Sharon will share with us the exciting work going on at Israel's National Blood Bank and how they are literally saving Israeli lives on a daily basis. Connected to that, Chris will discuss what the Word of God says about the significance of blood as it relates to atonement. Also, apples of gold. You're listening to the Friends of Israel today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. Let's join Chris Katolka as he welcomes Sharon Schmidt into the studio. Sharon, great to have you in the studio today. Thanks, Chris. So nice to be with you. Now, Sharon, in the Bible, there is this verse that sticks out to me. It's Leviticus 17.11 in the Torah. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Blood is vital. Blood means everything. Without it, we can't survive, we can't live. And God created it that way. And MDA, Magandavida Dome, is an organization that is saving lives in Israel. And you have the great privilege of representing them here in the Philadelphia area. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what Magandavida Dome is doing? Magandavida Dome is saving lives of every man, woman, and child, regardless of race, religion, creed, political affiliation in Israel, every single day. They're on call 24-7, saving lives. It could be a terror attack. It could be war. It could be a woman in labor, a heart attack, a child that fell off of a bike. No matter what, the pre-hospital emergency medical, um, again, Davida Dome is there with ambulances, metacycles, 12,000 uh, EMTs on call at all times. And they're saving lives in every way you can possibly imagine. Now, for the sake of our listeners, and for myself too, let's use the Israeli term for Magan Davida Dom. And what is that? What do they call it over they there? They call it Mada. Mada. I like that. It's a lot, it's a lot smoother. So Mada is the equivalent of, of the Red Cross in America. Is that, is, that, is that something that we can say? It's... Equivalent, but so much more than the Red Cross. Okay. Uh, MADA is, uh, again, ambulances, metacycles. Uh, it is the blood supply of Israel, the lifeline of Israel. Every man, woman, and child is touched in some way by this organization. Mm. Uh, it supplies 100% of the blood needs to the IDF, which is the Israel Defense Forces, 97% to the entire country. Wow. The, the, the blood supply of the country is housed in Ramat Gan in a blood center that was built in the 1980s when a population of Israel was not expected to reach more than 5 million. It's now much greater than 8 million, and it's no longer serving the needs of the people the way we expected it would. It is not earthquake-proof, and we learned in 2006 that a missile could hit anywhere in Israel, and unfortunately, uh, that includes Tel Aviv, Ramat Gan, and Israel's blood supply. So we have uh, taken on the responsibility of building a new blood center underground 
which is costing $110 million. Oh, wow. That is a big undertaking. How's it going? It's going great. We've raised $72 million so far, uh, thanks to large donations and small donations alike. This is, and it's such a vital aspect. You, you don't really think about uh, the necessity of, of a program that's there for, a, you know, even in the United States, but even in Israel, a program that's established that's storing blood for 8 million Israeli citizens. And, but you don't just store blood. You are also, you're, like you said, you're present in saving people's lives daily. And, you know, one of the first times I've ever seen MADA was uh, watching the news. Of course, you see something that happened in Israel, and behind the scenes, you always see a MADA ambulance. Can you talk a little bit about the ambulances that are present in, in the state of Israel? Absolutely. We send 100 new ambulances every year. Uh, they are funded by our wonderfully generous donors. They're built in the United States. They're brought to the donor for a dedication, and then they're sent to Israel to save lives. The fleet has um, approximately 1,000 ambulances, and uh, they can last anywhere from three years to five years. After five years, we use them uh, possibly on a kibbutz or a nursing home or um, at a race or a political event uh, just to store equipment in and to save lives in that way. Uh, again, this is the lifeline of Israel in every possible way for emergencies. Uh, they, they do everything imaginable. And now techni- technology in recent years uh, and changing every day is coming into play because now we have dispatch centers that can track the ambulances. We have people taking the calls and they know which ambulance is closest to the emergency so they know exactly which ambulance to send. So these 100 ambulances that we send every year go millions of miles and they're stretched to their capacity, saving lives every day. Amazing. And you know, the thing I love about Israel uh, is this the idea that they they are never scared to embrace a new idea. They're never scared to embrace new technology. And as I heard you speaking earlier today, you were talking about that there are new technologies through smaller forms of what you would call an ambulance, the, the, the meta-cycle uh, that gets to people quicker. Can you talk a little bit about the meta-cycle? Yes, the meta-cycle is something that we've begun to use more in recent years and more and more every day because we've learned that if there's a traffic jam and an ambulance can't get through in time, the meta-cycle can squeeze between the cars, get there immediately, uh, it's fully equipped with uh, life-saving medicines and technology that can treat the patient and get them ready for when the ambulance does come to transport them. In addition to that, uh, we have something new with 12,000 trained EMTs who are volunteers who now have an app on their phone. They could be anywhere in Israel. And if a call comes through and they're the closest person, they can get there before the metacycle and before the ambulance. Uh, with this improving technology, we're saving lives more and more every day and quicker and speed saves lives. Now, you said the word volunteer. Can you talk a little bit about the volunteer uh, world that's in Israel and how it specifically works in the realm of MADA? Well, in Israel, at the age of 15, everybody volunteers for something. And I think that's amazing. 
It's a volunteer country, and we have volunteers from 15 to into their 90s. Uh, everyone loves to help. They want to help save lives, and this is the place to go and the way to do it. Um, this organization is primarily made up of volunteers. There are about 15,000 volunteers and about 1,500 trained professionals. The volunteers are trained as well. We have students that are trained in CPR. They've actually gone out and trained Knesset members to save lives. And you were saying that with this new technology with the cell phone, that you can just get a beep and it will let you know that there's an incident and that they need to be on call to look around to see are they close by. You, you were talking earlier before we, we, we went on air, you were talking earlier about how many there were at its initiation of this of this app, this this new technology, and where they are now. Can you talk about that? Sure. We started with just a few thousand recently, and I was about to quote earlier today 10,000, and I was um, corrected. It is now 12,000 and growing, again, because everyone wants to help. Uh, these are people who are not part of MADA. They're just volunteers that know that help is always needed and uh, say someone is having a heart attack and you're just steps away, but you would not have gotten that call because it's only going out to the MATA people. Well, now through that app, that call is going out to every EMT who has volunteered. And uh, if you're the closest person, you're going to get there before the motorcycle or the ambulance. So that's a third way to save lives. And we're calling these folks the guardians of life. You know, it, to just know that at any particular place in Israel where you are, that somebody could be getting a buzz on their phone that that they are close to you and they can respond quickly. It, it's almost a breath of fresh air to know that someone's always there potentially looking out for you. Well, another breath of fresh air, I would say, is that when there's an explosion or there's something terrible going on, your first um, sense is to run away from it to save your life. I always tell people that when everyone is running away, the Mata people are running toward. Mm -hmm. They're always running into the situation to save lives, even when their own life is at risk. Mata is, and I love uh, what Sharon said here, is literally saving lives. And and for my listeners, I want to encourage you to participate in some way, participate through prayer for Mata, or or participate financially to help. Uh, there are tons of ways that you can help uh, MADA here in the United States, and Sharon is one of the ways that you can get connected through that. So I, I want to connect you to the phone number first. If you're interested in getting a hold of, of, of Magan Davida Dome, the toll-free number is 866-632-2763. And if you'd like to go online to see what they're doing, you can visit their website, the American Friends of Magan Davida Dome, which is www.afmda.org. So I want to encourage you to go visit there. If you feel called in some way to support or pray, please go ahead and do that. Sharon, thank you for sharing a little bit of your heart, your passion with us here at the Friends of Israel today and letting us know how we can know more about Magan Davida Dome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris.
Much of the world that Jesus grew up in was influenced by Greek philosophy and was ruled by Roman polity, and yet at the same time, Jesus was able to maintain a Jewish identity. We want to encourage you to pick up The World of Jesus by William H. Marty, a book that helps to make sense of the people and places of Jesus' day. If you want to learn more about Jesus and his historical background, this book, The World of Jesus, will help you understand more in depth about Jesus' surrounding world. You can get your copy of The World of Jesus at foiradio.org or call 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. As I mentioned in the first segment, one passage that really stands out in the Old Testament on the significance and the power of blood can be found in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, and I want to read it for you. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Now, this incredibly important verse is set within the context in the section of Leviticus that talks about how Israelites or anybody living within the camp of the Israelites uh, are prohibited from eating blood. And I want to unpack this verse a little more on Leviticus 17.11 because as Magandavita Dome works to preserve life physically as a blood bank in Israel, there's also a spiritual component to the idea of blood. As Leviticus 17.11 opens up, it says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. When Moses uses the word flesh, he's conveying to the Israelites that every living thing, every creature, every human uh, or animal relies on on blood for life. And and this isn't the first time blood is mentioned in this manner uh, in the scriptures. As the flood subsided, God gave Noah and all of mankind the permission to eat meat with only one major restriction. And I'm not going to talk about the restriction of, uh, you know, the typical Levitical restrictions, you know, that you can't eat pigs or, or certain fish and things of that nature. Not those kind of restrictions. When God gave Noah the res- restriction that's found in Genesis 9-4, it was a much broader one. And it's this, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. The only restriction that God gave Noah was this. You can eat any meat, but it can't have blood within it. Why? Because life is equated with blood. And so what we see is that there's this real sense of sacredness to blood. When God says the life of the flesh is in the blood, he uses this amazing word in the Hebrew called, uh, it's a Hebrew word, nefesh. Nefesh uh, has so many various meanings in the Hebrew. One meaning is this for nefesh is soul. Another meaning for nefesh is personality, the individual idiosyncrasies that, de- that are the makeup of a person. Another meaning for nefesh is life itself or even breath. And yet at the same time, nefesh can describe the physical elements of the body, like the throat or the neck, which are vital components to life. 
And so as you can see, God is building this incredibly close association between blood and life, the, the spiritually speaking and physically speaking. The sacredness and value of blood prevents it from being just another ingredient uh, that you're cooking with. And that's why it's couched within this section of Leviticus. And so instead, God explains to Moses and the Israelites that since blood is equivalent to life, it's supposed to be used for something more significant and, and spiritual. It, it's supposed to be used, as it says in Leviticus 17.11, for atonement. It's used to cover the sins of those Israelites who disobeyed God. This Old Testament passage is absolutely crucial to the spiritual life of the Israelite as the blood of a sacrificial animal would be shed for the life of the Israelite. God accepted the blood of one life for another. And that Israelite was reconciled as a result to God because of the life and blood of the sacrifice. It's called substitutionary atonement. That's the big word for it. But see, blood is what the, is the big picture here. The blood of one life would be given for the other. That's where the sacrificial system comes into play. And all of this points to what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. His blood, which represents his life, was shed for us. He was sacrificed for us. The sacredness of his blood, which took his life, was applied to us that we might have new life. I want to end with this reading from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. J- just listen to what Paul says about the blood of Christ. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we have been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the power of the atonement that is made in the blood of Christ, my friend. And all of what Christ did on the cross for us goes back to Leviticus 17.11 to show the power of what blood means to God. Blood is life. And Christ shed his life, his sacred blood, that we might have life in him. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. Recently, several young Hasidic boys came to my door. They explained today we are examining the mezuzahs in your neighborhood to see if they're kosher. A mezuzah is a small case attached to the doorpost of a home. I asked them how they would know whether or not a mezuzah was kosher. 
One replied, It is our holy duty to know such things. I replied, The most important thing is to know your heart is kosher. Have you examined your heart? They looked at me strangely, and one said, What do you mean by these strange statements? I said, I trust in the Lord. If I am living far from the Lord, but my mezuzah is kosher, of what value will that be in Judgment Day? It is written in 1 Samuel 16, 7, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I urge you to open your hearts before the Lord and receive Him as your Savior. The Scriptures do not say you must kiss the mezuzah when you enter the door. That is tradition. You should do only that which is commanded in the Scriptures. Eventually, one of the boys said, We cannot argue against what you are saying. Would you mind if I called our rabbi? and asked him to come. Oh, it would be a privilege for me to talk to your rabbi. Shortly thereafter, the rabbi arrived, accompanied by two other Hasidic men. I said, I see you have come with reinforcements. Well, I am here alone with my wife, but you are welcome, and I hope we have a nice meeting. The rabbi immediately asked, What is going on here? Ask your pupils. You have taught them for many years, but when they are tested, they're like sheep gone astray. The scripture says, strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Rabbi, I said, what is more important to God, to kiss the mezuzah or to have a clean heart? As it is written in Ezekiel 18.31, cast away from you all your transgressions, and get a new heart and a new spirit. It is not written, get yourselves a new mezuzah, but get yourselves a new heart. No, cried the rabbi. Do you also read the New Testament? Yes, I replied. I believe in the living God, not in idols such as you. The Hasidic men and young boys were disappointed in the rabbi. He quoted from the Talmud and other rabbinic books, but I spoke from the Bible, which I kept open during our entire conversation. And finally the rabbi asked, Are you a Jew? I am always asked this. And as usual, I replied, I worship God according to the Bible, but you, rabbi, are worshiping other gods. Are you a Jew? I gave them my testimony of how I had come to believe in the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Please pray the Lord will open their eyes to the emptiness of their traditions. As the Lord Jesus said, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Mike Kellogg with a dramatic reading from the life of Svi Kalisher. These readings are taken from a regular feature in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. 
If you enjoy Apples of Gold, be sure to sign up for a free one-year trial subscription when you visit foiradio.org. Call our listener line at 888-343-6940, 888-343-6940. Or you can write to us at FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. That's FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Next week, Palestinian Media Watch founder and director Itamar Marcus comes on the program. Itamar is one of the foremost authorities on Palestinian ideology and policy. A longtime friend of our program, it's great to have Itamar back with us as he uncovers the truth about what we don't often hear in Western media. Our host and teacher is Chris Gatolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Gallion. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold. And our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.